Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from New York, Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. I see a I see a grin on your face this morning. Well, I I, I accidentally afternoon. I accidentally just pushed something on my phone and it made some sort of screaming noise, uh, like right as you were doing the intro. But also, I like I like that we have Zoom business meeting, Andy Ruther. Hey, we're here about we're here to talk about our marketing strategies for the second quarter of the year. If everybody could just settle in, uh, Deborah, what do you have on the uh, marketing front? I do look like Zoom business meeting, Andy. Yeah. Or your trophies in the background. <laughs> yeah, or post court appearance, Andy Ruther. I told you, no means no, but you didn't listen, and uh, it's finally come back to bite you. Wow, you really went there with it, huh? Kobe! <laughs> Interesting that you bring that up. I'm 40 pages into Three Ring Circus, Jeff Perlman's book on the Kobe Lakers. Shaq three-peat. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. Sorry, my apologies. The Shaq Kobe three-peat. I'll say this. The so, Shaq Phil Jackson, Ron Arkins. So I just finished the the, the basically the first... The beginning of the book is about Kobe's life up until he gets drafted. You know, I love how Jeff goes into backstories and that's what yeah. he does. And what's great is I'm learning a lot and I do find it interesting. I'm learning the whole backstory. Do they of, have the story of how he like would never let the kid he played one-on-one in high school with score a point like that kind of shit. It, it is. I, and I definitely thought of you as far as what Kobe went through and how he created this mantra of, never wanting to lose, but he is insane. He does have that insane win at all cost. But what's crazy is it just like happened in high school, because even at the beginning, like eighth grade freshman year, he wasn't the guy that he turned into, but he instantly kind of turned into that person. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But lunatic, but also great genes. You know, his dad played eight years in the NBA, eight years in, Italy or overseas, but, but it is interesting. It, it, it kind of creates, and I don't want to go too far into it because obviously no one else is, is, is talking about it right now. Cause like, I don't know unless you're reading the book, but what I think you might find interesting is that I think part of that mentality that he got with the Mamba mentality and that whole persona was because Kobe, if you read the book had trouble fitting in, if that makes sense, like he was in, Italy and he spoke fluent Italian and he was smart. And then he comes back here and then he goes to the suburbs and he goes to a mostly all white school. And then he's sometimes playing in the inner city where they, you know, the kind of the kids basically like you're not from a rough area. You speak fluent Italian and you're good looking and you're well-spoken. But then with the white kids, he would try to act like he came from a rougher area. If that all makes sense. He was struggling with his identity, but he found it on the basketball court. When he became Black Mamba. But 
but Jerry, the only, the only persona he was truly comfortable in that of a poisonous, venomous snake, the most deadly <laughs> predator on earth, the black mamba. So you feel, you feel comfortable around, uh, the, the white kids when you're in the burbs. It's like, not really. You found, you feel comfortable when you're around the black kids in the hood. Not really. Do you feel comfortable when you are in a pit of fellow venomous snakes attacking Indiana Jones? It's like never more comfortable. <laughs> you kind of nailed it right there. Black Mamba. That's, that's, that's kind of what it was. But what's crazy is the backstory on that draft. The 96. Meanwhile, Shaq is just like, I don't care, man. I'll dunk on everybody. I'll go, I'll go to a birthday party and dunk on you. I'll go to a court date and dunk on you. I go, I, I don't care. I just get the ball and I dunk on you. I think they really disliked each other, Joe. Like, yeah. I haven't really gotten to that, but even just some of the stories leading up, I'm getting the vibe when I get to that. Yeah. People, people, it's a complete, I mean, Shaq is the most gregarious man of all time. It's like the complete opposite thing. They're like, were you comfortable in the, when you were around white kids? He's like, yeah, they would also climb on my back and, and, play on me like I was a jungle gym, just like my black friends. Yeah. And, and mostly everybody was like, Shaq, can you touch that? Can you touch that? Shaq, can you touch that? Shaq, can you rip that off the wall? And I was like, you know, I can't because I'm Superman. Well, the opening story, and, I, and this will be the last thing I'll say about the book, the opening story before it gets into everything in the epilogue is Kobe Bryant punching Samaki Walker in 2002, who's a backup center because he owed him money. Basically, every Laker were throwing $100 at the end of practice and they do half court shots. And whoever made the most, it was $1,200, winner take the pot. And he didn't pay him right away. And then the next day on the team bus in Cleveland, he didn't pay him because they did this in Cleveland at a shoot around. And he's like, I need my money. And Kobe approached him and punched him. And Shaq, that's why I know Shaq didn't like him. Shaq, apparently, the line was something like, fuck him up to Samaki. Samaki Walker made it was owed the money. No, Kobe was owed, Kobe the, was money. owed the money. So yeah. Kobe punched him and Shaq himself. This is they've already won a couple of titles. Shaq said something like, fuck him up or kick his ass. You know, so Shaq was like, dude, you're gonna hit Samaki. Samaki is this much bigger than you. And then I guess Phil Jackson had to get involved. And Kobe, what's crazy is Kobe. Phil called. Jackson hit a bell. And then it was like, thong, thong. You all know what that sound is. That's the relax bell. Everybody go to your own seat on the bus. You'll be getting a small tray filled with sand, a small rake, and three stones. Create something out of your bus-sized Zen garden. That explains how you feel about gambling in general and this altercation on the bus. Bong. Namaste. <laughs> it must have worked because Kobe yeah. called Samaki's hotel room that night and left a voicemail crying, apologizing, <laughs> sobbing, according to the story. That's because Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson went to Kobe's hotel room with a medallion and dangled it in front of his face. He's like, you're getting very sleepy, Mamba. When I snap my fingers, you'll be very sorry about what you did. Until I snap my fingers again, you will cry and apologize to everybody in the world you've ever wronged. Count backwards from 24 
or eight, whatever number you prefer. <laughs> Isn't it pretty amazing though? And again, yeah. I, Joe, I'm 40 pages in and I'm already like, man, Phil kept these guys together to win tight. They're punching each other, the team bus, and they're still winning titles and they hate each other. Like if you look at some of the current teams and we'll jump into the playoffs right now, I just don't see guys on the Celtics or the Bucks or the Warriors or whoever just hate. I mean, who knows? They could. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, if there's if there's any publicized example of it, it's, you know, probably Kyrie Irving going into the Nets locker room and talking about how him and KD make the, you know, will be deciding on roster decisions and it's clearly like you know, separating himself from his teammates and surprise, surprise, they got their ass swept. Yeah. Which, by the way, I texted Tug yesterday morning because and I te- and I also texted what you call what you refer to as the mean girls chat, the dirtball fam, real fisherman hours chat, because I, I had I was on it early yesterday. I knew it. I knew it. The, f- the first second I woke up yesterday, I said, today I'm going into my betting app. I'm finding what the Bucks money line is because they're somehow not favored. Correct. And, and I am betting them to win the game outright. And I texted Tug. I said, Celtics flying too high after a sweep of the Nets. It what Boston played great that series, and Boston has been playing great in the second half of the year. But it was the Nets' dysfunction that led to that sweep more than it was the Celtics playing incredible basketball. I knew the Bucs were going to win. I texted Tug. I texted the Dirtball fam. I was like, I'm going heavy on this. Get in. It was plus 170. And uh, Tug merely replied, good luck with that. Celtic fan through and through. Good luck with that. I also thought the Bucs would win game one based on everything you said. And let's not forget, because somehow people are forgetting, the Bucs won the title last year, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Middleton's out um, and that is that will definitely, you know, have some effects on them going forward. But Giannis is the best player in that series and it's not really close. You know, I know a lot of people last series were like, oh, this is the Jason Tatum leap is is Tatum. Like there was a lot of is Tatum better than KD, you know, uh, Twitter talk. Giannis is the best player in that series. It's not close. And you know, when in doubt, that's that's the way I lean. But I knew for sure a a Celtics favor, like if Celtics favored to win game one at home. I was like, I got this is the easiest money I've ever made. And I did. And then I gave half of it back by betting the Warriors to cover, which we can get into Clay Thompson's inability to make fucking free throws later. But yeah, I mean, I think that Bucks Celtic series is going to be a good series. But I said it before we even got into this, you know, round of the playoffs because it looked like both of them were moving on pretty easily. I still think I have the Bucks back to the NBA Finals out of the East. Yeah. Well, a lot of times those layoffs. Now they they both had it though, right? Like you, you know, the layoffs can hurt teams, and the Celtics had a longer layoff, but. When you look at players, you can't deny that Giannis 
is the best player in that series. And we've been hearing the Tatum leap for a couple of years now. He's going to make, yeah, leap. And, he's gonna make and, the leap. And, and this year he absolutely did. He is, sure. he's, he's made the leap to being that full on team leader, their go-to guy. Like it was, they wanted him to be that. Uh, he wasn't really ready for it. They brought in Kyrie a few years ago. They were like, he can do it. And it was like, Oh, that, that, I mean, it did, it set Tatum back. Um, but obviously in this, in these years, since Kyrie has left, I mean, this year, he was, he was their guy and he has made the leap, but like, that's, but like Boston fans love to do this. Boston fans love to turn some guy, you know, into the fucking, Oh, he's the greatest thing in the history of fucking sports. Um, and the bottom line is like, yeah, he's a great player, but uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take three quarters of Giannis over four quarters of Jason Tatum. What was the line on the Memphis Golden State game. Golden State was favored by three, and I liked Golden State to win the game, but it wasn't paying that well. So then I was like, well, I guess I'll just bet on them straight up with the line. And I mean, it was dicey early. I, I'm the, hell of a it, game, hell of a game. And it was tough for me because, like, I was tr- I'm trying to make money, but I also have rooting interest. I'm rooting hard for the Grizzlies. So, um, you know, it was a, a, a conflicted game. I also thought Memphis needed game one to really make this a series. Like, I think, you you know, you can't lose game one at home. You can, but, you know, with a, a younger, less experienced team, I think you got to get out to an early lead and then try to, like, you know, out, outrun them, outkick them to, to four games. So d- kind of a devastating loss from them. Um, uh, John Morant. Came up huge, played great. Obviously, they they still didn't get it done, but they were right there. I think it's going to be a good series, but it could be one of those series that's like a five-game Warriors win or maybe a six-game Warriors win, but with every game being really close and just that experience and stuff coming into play in those last couple minutes of every game. Now, we got two games tonight. Mavs, who, man. That, that was a tough series. Mavs look good. They move on. They play later tonight against Phoenix. I love Mavs plus five and a half, by the way. Love it. Yeah. Again, who's the best player in that series? It's Luca. Yeah. I love Mavs plus five and a half. I don't know if I love, I mean, if you, if you, if you guys want to take the value and go with a Mavs upset win game one, I don't hate that too, but I love Mavs plus five and a half. And then Miami minus seven and a half without Embiid is kind of wild. I actually think the game will probably be closer than that. I think I like the 76ers cover, but I also like Miami to win for sure. Um, And I think Miami, you know, Miami Philly is tough for me because it's like two kind of, I mean, I hate the city of Philadelphia and obviously Miami, a big Knicks rival. But as you know, as we've talked about a lot over the course of discussing winning time, I am sort of a Pat Riley stan. And as much as I've hated the Heat over the years in their battle with the Knicks, um, low-key, I was always like, this could have been our team the whole time. <laughs> so I've always kind of like also like hate rooted for them. So I'm going to be pulling for the Heat. When you pull them for the Mavs, I'm going to be pulling for the Grizz. I'm going to be pulling for the Bucks. Well, it seems like so long ago, and it really wasn't that long ago, Jimmy Butler was fighting with his coach. And I feel like everything got figured out right after that happened. 
Well, I think the thing is with Jim, that's just Jimmy Butler. And, and I, and we'll use this as an opportunity to go back to something I wanted to talk about uh, with the, uh, the Warriors Grizz game and series, which is that game, the Warriors, uh, you know, get down early and then they come back and, you know, it's a close game at the half. They, they go out and get like a little bit of a lead in the fourth quarter. And it's a, but the game essentially in the end is close because Draymond Green gets ejected from the game for Draymond Green things. Um, I know everybody can kind of agree. It was probably a flagrant one, not a flagrant two. Ejecting for that was probably a little bit ridiculous. But at the same time, like when does it end with Draymond Green? I was texting Andy Laz about it. Obviously, big Warriors fan. Um, which is, and I'd said, hey, I bet the Warriors to cover, and Draymond is going to fuck me here. And he's like, no, no, you're good, but also like he shouldn't have been ejected. I'm like, he shouldn't have been ejected. He was like, and and Laz was saying the same thing, and then Laz forwarded me Draymond's emergency podcast that he did after the show. But Laz was saying the thing that Draymond said, which is like, I was holding him up by the jersey. And I gotta say, I'm just kind of sick of Draymond Green doing the Happy Gilmore. He's like, I didn't snap a club and threw it into the woods. It's made of wood. I returned it to its home. It's like it's always some fucking excuse with this guy. He's like, well, he had a bumblebee flying around his dick. So I tried to kick the bumblebee and kill it before it stung him. And I just happened to kick him in the dick. It's like you pulled a guy down by his jersey halfway through a flagrant foul. You realized that this was probably a bad idea. So instead of letting him fall to the floor, you held him up by the same jersey. And now you're going to do an emergency podcast talking about being targeted. He's doing an emergency podcast right after the game. Yeah, which, I, I, by the way, I think is cool. I think is it's a cool thing, not for Draymond necessarily, but I it is a cool thing that this is where we are in sort of sports and media and whatever, which is the player can go on the record on his own platform sure. immediately after a game and give his thoughts. And his thoughts were ridiculous. You know, his thoughts were, I, I held the guy up by the shirt, but like, dude, you also pulled him down by the shirt. And then he started to go into like, I've seen Dennis Rodman get kicked out of games for things that Luke Longley wouldn't have gotten kicked out for. I've seen Rashid Wallace get kicked out of games for things Corliss Williamson wouldn't get kicked out for. And it's like, yeah, that's what happens when you have like a criminal record versus something being your first offense. Like that's just how the judicial system works when you're a, when you're a repeat offender, you get punished. I literally sat through two hours of court and saw that exactly play out. If you had been a repeat offender, they were harder. If you were first offender, they were lenient and re- reduce your sentence. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. And I understand that, history. And I understand that in the, uh, in the turn in the, like in the rules of the NBA, you know, that you should ref every player in every game equally. But first of all, we know that's not the reality. And second of all, this is game one of a conference semifinals. They're trying to set a tone. And if the tone is Draymond Green can come out here against a young, inexperienced team that has one of the brightest stars in the league and do whatever the fuck he wants. How are we supposed to control this series from getting out of Now, is there some sort of conspiracy of like, let's make this series more interesting? Yeah, probably. 
probably, but you got to know that like, you know, on his podcast, which by the way, like I enjoyed just because of the circumstances. Like I said, it was really cool to just have a guy be like, I just got ejected and I'm going to tell you about it. (laughs) But he was also saying, you know, like he's talking about the, um, he's talking about sort of his history and, and being targeted and all this stuff, but the, the, and, and like how he is proud of this reputation. He says that he's proud of this reputation. It's like, dude, you have this reputation because you're dirty. That's your reputation. You're a dirty player. So I don't know what there is to be proud of that. He also was like, but the thing about my reputation is I'm in the league 10 years or whatever the number is. And I've been to this many finals games. I have this many championships and I've been an all-star this many times. And a lot of people said, this guy won't, won't last in the NBA. This guy's not an NBA starter. But the truth of the matter is, if you go back, and I'm not a big college basketball fan, but I have a lot of Michigan State fans in my life. If you go back, Izzo is on the record of being like, if Draymond Green wasn't crazy, he'd be a lottery pick. So you're actually completely wrong. Like, this is a, like, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday when it, when I thought they were going to lose that game. Draymond's actions almost have Tony Romo injury vibes where like he gets suspended and then they got to replace him with a far less player. Like, dare I say, dare I say that if the Warriors this whole time had had a guy with 85% of Draymond's production, but none of the baggage, they'd have more titles. I actually disagree. Okay. Well, we know, I mean, we can agree that they probably lost that one title because of him. Yeah. I, I just think though, especially now that I'm reading these books and, and you look at the different dynamics of players and how teams are assembled, he's the wild card, man. He He's the, he's the Ron Artest. He's the Bill Lambeer. He's, he's just the dirty work. He's the Rick Fox. You know, you need the guy who doesn't score that much. Who's going to play defense. But you just like, that's a great example. You just said he's the Rick Fox. When was Rick Fox like missing playoff games for like kicking guys in the dick? Like you can do the dirty work without being dirty. But I don't think he can. Right. But that's, that's kind of my point. Like I'm saying, if you had a less, if you had a less dynamic player to steal a phrase from our friend, Tug Coker, if you had a guy who was less dynamic, but more consistently on the floor, like my 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 question is, uh, for those old those cowboy teams that Tony Romo had, where he played great, but he also missed four games a year, and they had to and they would make a phone call to a public high school and see if John Kitna could get off of you know gym class, and then they just lose the last five games of the year. Like it, like just plug in like a, I don't know, guy like stays pl- in the field. Plug in a, a a Jake Plummer that whole time. Do they actually end up winning more total games, even though he doesn't have the highest highs, but he just doesn't always have a collarbone injury, or or in Draymond's case, always have a two game suspension in the middle of the year in the playoffs in the finals. They still won yesterday, though. Right. Like like I don't like Draymond Green is a four time 
all-star, right? But just take Shane Battier's career and put him on the Warriors in place well, of Draymond. I, Are they better? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the best because, you know, Shane, Shane Battier, defender, dirty work guy. Like, so we'll, we'll a, hit the knockdown a, three. He's a four-time all-star. He's a defensive player of the year. Four-time first team. All defense. Well, yeah, he's that. I mean, I mean, he's definitely not Shane. You know, sh- you know, I'll pull up Shane Battier. Shane Battier is a zero time all star. Zero time all star, two time champ, two time all defense second team. Now, obviously, they don't play in the exact same era, but like, this is my point. Just take Draymond Green off of those Warriors teams and put Shane Battier's career. Like, I think they're better. Interesting. Those guys couldn't be more different, by the way, even off the right. Court. Right. Shane Battier doesn't do a podcast. He writes a telegram. Yeah, one guy went to. He, he has a ham. He has a ham radio show. But but also I just think like where they grew up. I one grew up with money. One grew up in a rough area. It's yeah, just, they 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 honestly couldn't be more different. So where's he doing this podcast? Take me through this in his hotel room, and it's great. It's only thirteen minutes. Like listen to it. Laz sent it to me. Laz literally goes like it's in the middle of the game. He's like he goes Draymond's already recording his response podcast, and I wrote LOL. And then like an hour later, he sent it to me. I was like Jesus Christ. He went to his hotel room and immediately recorded a podcast. That, that's what I'm saying. Like the thought of him opening up the equipment, probably uh, uh, the little Zoom device. I think he just. I think he just records like a, a video on his computer, basically. And he's got the game on in the background. Yeah, I mean the game's over. He's in his hotel after the game. Okay. But it, I mean, it's worth it's worth listening, just like from an NBA. Like insider standpoint, like it's, yeah, it's it's cool. It's still it's cool. Like as insane as he is, it's great. Yeah. Now we both picked the Warriors to win that series. Yeah. I'm debating who I'd like to see in the finals. In the NBA finals. Well, especially in the West, because I think the Warriors are going to win that series. What's funny is I used to. I couldn't, st- I find myself, I found myself rooting so hard against the Warriors. I think most of us did. They were kind of the evil team, especially when Kevin Durant joined them. But I don't find myself doing that anymore. Yeah. Now, they have a lot of more, they have a lot like more likable guys. They do. Gary Payton Jr. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, the dude, Jordan Poole. Yeah. And, you know, they, yeah, they're way more likable than they were in the past. But I also find, I also find, of course, I find all those teams in the West likable. Yeah. Honestly, kind of my, my go-to finals, I think would be Bucks Mavs. And the reason I would go for Bucks Mavs in addition to like not having any problems with either of those teams, which is funny because most Knicks fans do have a problem with the Mavs because of the Porzingis deal. Meanwhile, I'm like, no, I fucking have no problem with them whatsoever. Uh, is then we would get two of the 
league's best players, you know, like yeah. Steph Curry is obviously one of the league's best players, but like Steph Curry is a product of that system. In addition to being the greatest shooter of all time, like if Steph Curry had been on the, you know, the bullets this whole time, we'd, we wouldn't be talking about Steph Curry as Steph Curry. Um, uh, especially but, since he'd be going back in time to play for the bullets. Exactly. But that, you know, that's my point is like, Oh, you, t- you intentionally I, said bullets. Yeah. I don't, I refuse to call them the wizards still. Um, I know we've gone over this. Was the intention that it was a violent yes. name? Yes. And and a name like a meanwhile hurricane? they have not, they, meanwhile they have not considered all the damage that wizards do throughout the world. I mean, it really is fascinating. I mean, how many how many how many kids? You know, we talk about school shootings and stuff, but how many kids have died in a freak Alakazam accident? Yeah, or the Grizzlies, man. You're you're yeah. you're faced a grizzly bear. You get fucked. You you're dead. You're dead. I used to do a terrible joke about that. You remember it? Oh yeah. You bring the book <laughs> up on stage. Oh, I know. Oh no, not the, no, not the, that, no, that was a great joke. That was a great bit. My one about team names about like, about this very thing. And you know, them like changing the names because they're offensive. But I said the same thing. I'm like hurricanes, like the Miami or the hurricanes that devastates like whole cities. Oh yeah. I would be like, it would be like if they were the Oakland AIDS. <laughs> You know what I mean? Love a good AIDS joke. Love a good AIDS joke. That's good. I like it. Bring it back. Bring it back. Well, it should be good regardless. That's what we're saying. Whoever's playing on either side, especially in my opinion from the West, it's just more appealing. Like like Miami's cool, but I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to see the heat out of the east if it's not the Bucks. I'd like to see the Grizzlies if out of the out of the West if it's not the Mavs. But the bottom line is the Grizzlies and the Mavs are both like heavy underdogs in both those series. So we're more likely to have a Suns Warriors conference finals than the other way around. You know, I didn't realize the Mavs hadn't won a playoff series since they won the title in 2011. Yeah. I didn't realize they, had just, they hadn't even won a single playoff series. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's wild. I will one day, like, you know, we've talked about, we've, we've given, shouted out a lot the Jeff Perlman uh, books on the last thing. We now this, have a... This is your book. Yeah, I'm going to do the 2011 Mavs championship. That's going to be my 30 for 30. Yeah. It'd be a good one. Gotta get a, you got to get a lot of time with Mark Cuban. And, and, and it, will, it won't, like, we will we'll slurp that Mavs team's ability to stop LeBron in that finals, but it, the whole thing will also just be a low-key defensive LeBron James because of how underrated that Mavs team is and how basketball casuals are just like, you lost, I don't see Michael Jordan losing to that Mavs. Well, well, guy who's, Twitter avatar is Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant kissing. Kobe Bryant lost to them <laughs> by 40 points in, in a game four sweep. Somebody really have that avatar? <laughs> yeah, uh, thousands of people probably. But no, that's that's just like whatever their avatar is, that's like what I picture when, you know, guys who talk about killer instinct and clutch shooting reply to me. I'm like, 
I just visualized Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant kissing as their avatar. Well, I saw you poking the bear. I just saw before the show with your tweet about Giannis and Michael Jordan. I mean, that was just ridiculous. That was an insane play. And, and, and LeBron did that a couple of years ago in the finals, but Jesus Christ. I mean, that is that that's, if you're, if you're a guy, my age, um, or, or even older, and you still watch the NBA, like the idea, and you know, we've fought against this for a long time on our show. The idea that there are guys like, I prefer the NBA when you prefer the NBA when what it looked like it was happening in slow motion. This guy was stopped 13 feet from the basket pivots, takes one large step, throws it off the backboard to himself, two hand hammer dunks it in traffic on somebody like, the level of what the fuck is somebody at my door? Hold on one second. And now we have a dirty sports break brought to you by Joe Prano. All right, just somebody's dropping off property records. Sorry about that. You're not being subpoenaed, are you? No. Um, but yeah, just the level, like the athleticism and the just that that's what makes me so excited about going forward. I mean, we have, you know, we have Ja, we have this, you know, Steph, we have Giannis, we have obviously a hurt Embiid, a hurt Booker. Sounds, like, like, a, sounds like a group, I'm not gonna lie. Sounds like it's I don't know if it's a rapper R and B group. We got Ja. Yeah. Yeah. We got Steph. We got Giannis. Like, that sounds like a trio. It's again, Wu Tang Clan strikes again. The Ja, the Booker, Giannis, and Luca. Raekwon, the chef, Ghostface, <laughs> Killer, and Joel Embiid. And you just figured it out. Exactly. Well, it should be a good fly- playoffs as it, as it has been, and it'll continue. I want to tease something real quick. We got a lot of calls about the dirt ball who put the entire dirt ball fam on blast. And dude, you opened Pandora's box. I called out the dirt balls. I was like, I don't know if they're going to respond. I was wrong. Joe, they are hurt. Now, are you betting any of your Bitcoin making winnings on, uh, on those people calling like I honestly, like when you showed up today in the, the collared shirt, looking all fresh, the only thing that made me think that you didn't buy a mansion was that you have the same background, but you are killing the Bitcoin game. I am according, according to your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I was hacked. Speaking of dirt balls, I, a dirt ball hacked, a dirt ball was hacked. And then I got hacked from the guy who hacked the dirt balls and, and, and the timing. And by the way, he's a great guy. He was worried. He, he, we, we reached out to each other. We spoke on the phone and he was stressing and uh, no need to stress. Zach, Zach was great. But, but, but think about the timing. I don't check my Instagram. I haven't posted on Instagram in over a year. I rarely check it, right? Like once every few weeks, the DMs. So anybody, if you want to DM me, do it on Twitter, please. But what are the odds that morning Zach had DM'd me to say long time dirt ball, love the Jeff Perlman interview. You guys keep it up. You know, just just the nice thing that the dirt balls do a lot. So he he DMs me that morning, a few hours later, 
I see on Instagram, there had been a DM sitting there from that same person's name. So obviously just the timing was wrong. And then from there it, it went sideways and I got hacked. And like Joe's saying, the guy who hacked my account, which I have back, thank God, decided to post Bitcoin links. And some people fell for it, which was pretty funny. <laughs> some people were like, hey, I mean, that's this- what they're, that's what they're counting on. Yeah. Some people are like, hey, Ruther, I think you've been hacked. And the person who hacked my account wrote, it hasn't been hacked. And they'd be like, cool, right on. Keep doing the show. Love it. <laughs> but but conversely, dirtballs were getting turned. Like, let Ruther get his account back, you fucking pussy. Like, people were getting angry. Like, I know this isn't Ruther. Fuck you. That's amazing. So, so shout Dude, it's out- amazing. that sh- sh- like I, I, Since we're in the middle of it, let's sh- I'm going to shout out a couple other dirtballs. Yeah, uh, I want to I want to sh- shout out Nick Kleckner, who's also, you know, a supportive dirtball who uh, he got involved in some Instagram drama as well. Uh, we won't talk about what happened, but shout out Nick for keeping it, you know, keeping it classy uh, in the name of the dirtball fam on Instagram. And then I want to shout out who I am now referring to as the Nick D'Alessandro, uh, not Nikki D, not your son, not the former, uh, you know, we don't, we didn't call him an intern. We call him a production assistant sure. for the show. Uh, but the Nick D'Alessandro, the other, but now the Nick D'Alessandro who came to, uh, my show at the stand and brought us this thank you card, Andy. Oh. And, uh, he wrote a really nice message inside. I'll, I'll send you a picture of it so that we don't, you know, we don't put his, uh, his personal message to us on blast. Although it did start with a, it actually ended with a PS and then there was an arrow back to the first page. I'll just show you that part. Can I get a who day <laughs> Randy style? Um, but it was really nice because, and I put this on Instagram. I did, I did a spot at the stand and the spot went well. It was like the last spot on a really late show. So the crowd was kind of like meh or whatever. And then I did a Taylor Swift joke and some girl in the crowd, like absolutely lost her mind and screamed, fuck you in the middle of the show. And it became like a whole dramatic thing. And, you know, even when you know you're right, you, you leave, you leave a show like that and you're like, oh man, like, but, but, but you know, by the way, if you're at a comedy show and you don't like something someone says, just sit there and shut up. You don't have to laugh. You don't have to applaud. Just shut the hell up. It was great, though, because I was like, she said it later on. And I was like, oh, my God, did somebody just say fuck you? And her friends kind of like nodded on her behalf. And I was like, what part what part of the show made you so upset that you screamed fuck you in the middle of my set. And this dude, bro, who's sitting in the front, who's hopefully become a dirtball since this incident was like, it was definitely the Taylor Swift joke, bro. These bitches is crazy. And I was like, of course it is. But um, uh, it was just so funny. And then after, so then, you know, you leave, even though I did great and it wasn't my fault, like this, you know, some cult, member of the Taylor Swift clan got triggered by a joke. You leave going like, oh, I wish that sure. didn't happen. I wish that yeah. didn't happen. And then, of course, uh, the Nick D'Alessandro comes up to me and he's like, dude, I took the train down from Stanford, Connecticut 
Uh, I, I wanted to see your show. Thank you for having me. Here's a thank you card. It's a note in there and some cash in there for you and Andy. And then, uh, you know, just talked for a little bit. So it was like a nice balance of the two. He's got a deep voice, doesn't he? I noticed from the calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Big dude. He could eat the other Nick D'Alessandro. He could snap the other Nick D'Alessandro like a, like a cheese stick. I think we need a grudge match. Nick D'Alessandro versus Nick D'Alessandro. Nick D'Alessandro, unless unless Nick D'Alessandro is allowed to like have his sister fight with him, I don't think he's got any chance against the Nick D'Alessandro. Maybe we'll find a way to handicap it to make it a little more fair. Yeah. I think we should just jump into it then. Mid-show, now that we're talking about the dirt balls. So we had a call last week, and again, he put all the dirt balls on blast. And I assumed he was from Arizona because I looked up the area code. That, I guess, is where he currently resides. He's not from there. But do you want me to just hop into this, Joe? Because there, there, I think I have I picked out five calls of responses. Five. Wow. Okay, let's do it. I, I just feel like the dirt balls need to be heard. And if we don't play them all, I have no problem leaving them at the end of the episode okay. for, you guys, for you guys to hear them. But, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a fun discussion. 310-359-8365. That's the hotline. And, uh, you know, some we don't have to say much about, but some I'll just play. I believe this one, the guy was very turnt and very unhappy. Well, I think we'll start with this one. Hey, whoever called in shitting on dirt balls with their questions and just being a total cuck, uh, I hope your firstborn <laughs> daughter is fucking stillborn, and I hope you kill yourself tonight. Uh, yeah, thank you. Condoms are for that fucking piece of shit. Whoa. So he's wow. coming out hot. That, yeah, that <laughs> coming out. I was, hot. Like, I, I was like, start with a good one, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna start with uh, the one where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uses the uh, flamethrower. <laughs> hey, fucking, what's my time in Hollywood? I want to start out hot. All right, let, let, let's get to let's get to ones that aren't as hardcore. Hey, boys, this is Preston from Indiana, and um, I'm just calling to uh, let you know that the guy who called, calling out, the, uh, calling out all the dirt balls, yeah, he can go fuck himself. Yeah, that's right. Go fuck yourself. We're dirt balls. It's in the name, dirt balls. That's what, you ex- that's what, that's what you're going to get. That's us. That's what makes the community what it is today. And I would argue that the dirtball calls have sparked many conversations from Joe and Andy that make the podcast what it is. So once again, go fuck yourself. Andy, you guys are doing doing great. Keep up the calls. I love them. Uh, yeah, fuck that guy. I, I just I feel the energy from the fam, don't you? Well, he, he makes a good point, which is a lot of times like dirtballs will call in and not to you know, jump on the side of the guy who made fun of dirt balls, but they'll be like, uh, just wondering if you like, uh, Coke or Pepsi. And then the next thing I know, I'm like, I love cocaine. Let's talk about all the times I did cocaine. You know what I mean? It's like, it's always sure. like a, it takes us into a conversation Agreed. that we didn't, that we were planning on. So like, we appreciate the dirt ball calls, obviously. And like, there's been so much fun and bad dirt ball calls. There's been so much taking a question and, and answering it with something totally different. So I, I appreciate the, uh, the point that that caller right there just made. And I agree. And you'll see 
on the next few calls, that sentiment seems to be an overlying theme on the call saying, I feel like this is a new, he's like, now he's a, the villain. We've had villains on the show before. Oh, he's and a they, villain. He's a and villain. They end up, they end up getting their own sort of clout out of being a villain. Oh yeah. He's a hundred percent a villain. So let's get, and, we'll, and after, after we'll, after we do this, we'll have to talk about how one of our former villains is now inspiring some people who are uh, going to protest your reds. Amazing. All right, let's get through these. Hey guys, Ryan Clack calling in from Saskatoon. So this call is going to piss off that guy who called out all the dirtball calls, something fierce. But I mean, this is a fucking dirty sports podcast, man. That's part of the experience. So yeah, super random call for you today. For the first probably two years or so that I listened to the podcast, I thought you guys had a friend named Pizza. Pizza Starro. You only call him by <laughs> his full name. It's never Pete or Peter. It's always Pizza Starro. So my fucking <laughs> brain, for whatever reason, was like, oh, first name Pizza, last name Starro. <laughs> kind of a weird name, but maybe it's an endearing nickname or something, but um, wasn't until... <gasps> later that i was like oh well fuck it's pete of course his name's fucking pete but yeah that's <laughs> it uh glad i got that off my chest and to that guy angry about the calls hope you don't paint the walls with your brains over this one stay dirty <laughs> that's uh by the way that is it's so true and i never knew that but yeah i don't know why it is but i'm not the only one who does it in our friend group Everybody calls him Pizza Stara. That's it. Like cool, I think, I think it's because I think it's because there's so many Pete's. We have a lot of different Pete's. Um, so, like in Pete's friend group, they just call him Pete. But in my friend group, because there's other Pete's, we call him Pizza Stara. And for our caller, you're not the only person that that happened to. In fact, Pete used to be a regular uh, contributor to the Kooks of Comedy podcast. And when he would have episodes, uh, people would always reply on Twitter or Instagram with just the pizza emoji, the star emoji, and then the big circle emoji. Pizza, star, oh. I, I want to give credit where cre I think uh, Beverly Dylan Mata came up with that emoji thing, but it might not have been him. But the, the kook heads out there, pizza, star, Oh, and, and Pizza Starro will be, you know, very excited that he's brought up in this fashion. It's amazing yeah. that many that many people thought his name was Pizza. Yeah, but I think it's also the way I say it. I've noticed something uh, when I use voice to text all the time. Like they I like I say shit and like I fuck up the same words every time. I'm like, why does it think I said that? And then whenever I whenever a uh, uh, a. MC asks my name. I'm like, Joe, pray now. And then they they go up and they're like, Joe, pray now. Like they turn into fucking Hank from the, uh, you know, fucking, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I think it's maybe the way I say it, but apparently the way I say it, pizza star. -o. Pizza star. -o. Pizza star. -o. Or so as funny, or as my Siri refers to it when I ask her to call him Pete Chestado. Call Pete Chestado. Well, it doesn't matter where you hear this. All the way up in Saskatoon, Canada, they're thinking that. That's a thick accent. 
Ryan's been calling the show for a while. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see. Let's see what He's else. He's like, well, I hope this guy doesn't paint his walls with his brain. I got to go cut more lumber. <laughs> All right. Let's we got a couple more. You said you wouldn't get a rebuttal, Andy. Well, here you go. What's up, Joe and Andy? This is Dawson from beautiful Bellingham, Washington, calling for the rebuttal to the call about the dirtball calls. Been listening to the podcast for just about seven years now, and I, for one, have never had a moment where I thought that any of the absolutely terrible calls we've gotten over the years have ever detracted from the show. I actually think that they add to the show when we get the terrible calls. Because I think that they create great moments, funny moments for uh, Andy and Joe to talk about just random stuff. Uh, kind of take a little bit of a break from sports because, let's be honest, if we wanted to just listen to just sports, we'd watch ESPN. But there's a reason that all of the dirt balls subscribe to DSPN. And that's because of all the funny moments that Joe and Andy talk about. So I get the feeling that guy is in the severe minority on this and that for all of the loyal dirt balls who've been listening for years, kind of like you mentioned, Andy, we all love the calls. Wouldn't change them. Stay dirty, boys. I don't think it's just minority. I, I don't. I don't. There's not a single person, to my knowledge, who agrees with this. Like, dude, you you were on that. You're you're flying solo on that lonely island. And I'll play CT. I'm gonna play CT, and then and then we're gonna hear back. From the dirt. This is, this is turning into a WWE. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a rage in the cage between the the unnamed caller and CT. I think so. So this is CT, which is he's also leaving a call. Gentlemen, CT, formerly from Seattle, lifelong Seattle Kraken fan, calling in. Uh, my question today is, Andy, do you like to use on your lawn? I prefer Scott brand. Uh, but, you know, if you have a different recommendation, I'd love to. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wait for that guy to call in, call out all the dirt ball calls, not even lead his name. Kind of weak, bro. Let's go. Uh, and Majid, for your movie reviews, I'd love you to review movies with the same title. Since you're already doing Blown Away, and I already got to watch them. I haven't seen either. I recommend you watch uh, Heat, uh, the great Michael Mann movie. And then the Heat, the movie with, like, Melissa McCarthy and uh, Sandra Bullock, which <laughs> I've never seen. But I think it'd be funny if you reviewed movies that have, like, the same title that we could get pretty good with some of those. CT out. Uh, so, Andy, let's give me some lawn recommendations. So, I, I agree with CT's point at the beginning. Dude, you left this call. You put everyone on blast. You didn't leave your name. Soft. Kobe it Bryant is. gift. Kobe Bryant gift. Soft. It is. Now, to his defense, he did call back with his name. Also, oh, here we go. Also, real quick to address that, he tweeted that out as well. Majid, I like this idea. Movies with the same title. It doesn't have to always be 80s, 90s, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take this in a layered, I'm gonna I'm gonna add another layer to this because we we talked about blown away. Now we're talking about heat, the heat. I think every review of a nacho where, where he will give a, you know, a certain number of nacho helmets or a certain full helmets of nachos. Uh, it should be two movies. So like, I think we could also do like things like where they're like uh, related. Like remember when uh, Armageddon and deep impact came out like one, two, 
Remember when uh, the two Prefontaine movies came out with like four months of each other? What about when uh, Dante's Peak and Volcano came out in like the same fucking month? Like, I'd like to see same name, same genre. Yeah. Like same, not, not even same genre, same exact premise and came out like within months of each other. This is good. I would, I'm like, I am now dying to know the Michael Majid review of the two Prefontaine movies that came out simultaneously. Yeah. This has some good potential. Okay. Let's hear back from the guy who started it all. What's up, Dirty Sports? It's Joey from Minnesota. It was I who left the call, calling out the uh, the dirt ball calls, I guess. And so I'll try to keep this under a minute. But I think my first point is Tyler from Arizona. Guys, I understand I have the new number now, but I've been calling in for three years consistently. I, I It shocks me that, that some guy named CT who rented you a car twice in 2018 and uh, some chick named Alexis <laughs> from Minnesota who convinced Andy he might get a blowjob if he was anywhere near Minneapolis. Like, I, I can't believe those are the two considered goat callers. Um, I want to state for the record that I love the Dirtball fam and that over the years I've left some unplayed calls myself. That being said, I am not scared of any of you in the, in the Dirtball army. I picture many of you looking like sadder, less threatening versions of, of Batman villains, which, which may, maybe makes me the Joker. Well, it's time to introduce a little anarchy. I personally invite the Dirtballs to roast my podcast called Joey Hates Everything, available anywhere you can get a podcast. There are around 40 hours of me whining about first world problems and telling you reasons I hate myself. You could come on here. You could play any clip of it. That's fine. You, you got nothing to come at me with, really. Because just like Andy said, just like Andy predicted, none of you will have anything entertaining or of value to come back at me with. Because you know I'm right. Make your call entertaining or shut the fuck up. Joey from Minnesota, goat dirtball caller. It doesn't make me feel great that I care this much, but I do. Uh, stay dirty, boys. Well, first of all, I never Joey said Joey the Joker. I didn't say I said I didn't think they would call. He, he I didn't feel like he's putting words into my mouth. Yeah. I did not diss the dirt balls like that. I just said, I didn't think they would call. By the way, this was all a ploy for you to plug your goddamn podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said yeah. we could play your podcast? He, he went full joker on you. He's like, you want to you make me see this podcast plug disappear? <laughs> Joey the Joker, he introduces a little anarchy into the dirty sports world. I like it. I mean, I, I appreciate that he also has 40 hours of his podcast. Joey hates everything. So apparently he's just like, a, 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 you know, a savvy hater of things. And that's cool. I'm looking right now at his podcast. It says Joey Capuana brings you the most important wisdom and world news imaginable. I don't know, Joey. Well, you know what they say in terms of uh, Apple podcast reviews and Spotify podcast reviews. There's no such thing as bad press. So like, you know, when the Dirtballs listen to his podcast and roast him, it's still to his benefit. And I look yeah. forward to hearing maybe Majid needs to do a Joey hates everything podcast review. <laughs> or maybe, dude, no, as well. And, and then at the same time, Michael Majid could review Joey hates everything and ugly kid Joe's. I hate everything about you since the 
be the two. You can, you can do Majid is doing a lot of work for us these days. Majid is put the Majid. Or maybe Joey, I hate to say it, maybe the dirtballs just don't care enough about you to even listen. To me, that'd be a bigger dagger. Bum, bum, bum. To be continued. But he definitely, I debated, I told Joe this, I debated even letting you plug your podcast because I'm not stupid. Joe's not stupid. I know what you're doing here. The fact that you're not even saying you can even play the clips from my show. Yeah, that'll never happen. <laughs> Unless some dirtball sends us a clip and is like, you got to play this. Oh, Joey. Joey the Joker. I don't understand what your logo is, though, Joey. Why is it? This is exactly what we did with you. He shall, who shall not be named. We were like, what the fuck is this? And the next thing you know, he's winning free tickets to the fucking city field to watch me throw out a first pitch, which he doesn't attend because he's a trash human being. His logo is a monkey. I don't know what type of monkey this is. Is this a baboon? Is this a orangutan? It's just a monkey. And across it says Joey hates everything. Is it an NFT? No. Okay. Because that's all. As far as I can tell, that's all NFTs are, which is our monkeys. They're just yeah. digital monkeys. So, so I, I don't know. that That's what's going on here. But I do look forward to hearing if anything comes from this. I also want to thank the Dirtballs for sticking up for yourselves. Because Joey came at you hard, and he's still doubling down. And the disrespect that you showed CT, Hall of Fame Dirtball. And also, Alexis, for the record, by the way, I, uh, CT probably rented me 20 cars in 2018. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I, I'm having a hard time continuing to have a touring stand-up comedy career without the CT rental uh, fucking, you know, sale price. Yeah. Without, without, this, without the Hall of Fame sale price, I may have to retire from doing the road. <laughs> sure. So no disrespect will be shown. In fact, I'm like... I, I love CT and I and I'm rooting for him to achieve all he wants in life. But I also hope that an asteroid hits the minor league baseball team that he's working for so he can go back to working in the rental car business. So here's a question for you. Here's my segue. If an asteroid hits the minor league team he's working for, will that team be better or worse than the current Cincinnati Reds? It'll be better because there'll be a story. People, they'll they'll have a we are Marshall. They'll have a they'll have a Ground Zero. People go more people visit Ground Zero every day than go to uh, Cincinnati <laughs> Cincinnati Reds games. That's for sure, right? Like a hundred percent. Oh yeah, it's not even close. Not even close. You're getting four or five thousand people out every day to the fucking Reds games. The Reds are now three and nineteen. This is like a movie. Three and 19, one and 16 since Phil Castellini said, Where are you going to go? I know where you're going to go. I mean, go. they're going to, like, it, 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 does this have potential? Like, is there rumblings? Like, is there talk? Like, is this the ultimate backfire? Like, will this lead to them selling the team? They're going to have the worst record they've ever had. This is the worst. I don't think people realize historically, this is the worst record in Major League Baseball in the last 20 years. They're three and 19. It's almost like when you're a professional baseball player who gets paid no matter what, whether you perform or not, and your owner goes out there and says, We don't give a shit, that you then say, Well, I don't give a shit. Exactly. It's almost like that happened. So I, I will just 
repeat some things that I've heard, which again, hire me as the PR person. I don't have the expertise in this, but if this is the plan moving forward, which I've been told, the plan moving forward for Phil and his daddy, little daddy who owns the team, is that they will remain silent and only release things via a PR statement. My response is that couldn't make things more worse. Right. Dude, you need to show your face and do a legit apology tour. Apology tour. Hiding behind, the, again, my idea of dollar hot dog night, you were at the concession stand. This could not, the Reds, I don't think it's, the Reds team sucks, but don't you agree, Joe? I don't think it's a coincidence that they've lost 16 of 17 since these comments because he shot on the fans. He, and Doesn't he own like, like 400 Arby's or something like that? No, not that I know of. What, uh, where, where is the Castellini's money from? It's from produce. Shipping produce. produce. Okay. Yeah. So it's mostly from produce. But hiding behind and not saying anything. Look, people are showing. I saw a tweet. They were in Coors Field this weekend. There was a whole row and, the, and, a, and a Rockies fan tweeted this out. It's wild. He goes, there's Red fan, Reds fans now showing up, like six of them with bags over their face. Yeah. And it, now, like I sent you right before the show. We have a post from Red's Reddit. Red's read Reddit. This. That's fun. Which I, I want, like, dare I say it's a copycat crime from a dirty sports villain? Like, dare I say that this is loose, loosely inspired? A Red's Pirates game didn't, wasn't there a visit by he who shall not be named to a Red's Pirates game? Correct. So, the Reds Reddit has this posted and John Boy posted this. And by the way, Detroit Lions fans, this is what we're talking about. We told you guys to walk out on games and you went to your Reddit and you're like, no, we're going to keep going. Reds Reddit, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile. Taken a, meanwhile, over in Reds Reddit, they have taken a different approach to losing. Somebody wrote. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. During the Friday, May 6th game against the Pirates. I will be scaling the wall to defecate in the bed of the Toyota Tundra. If anyone can take photos of me, I'd appreciate it. And for those who don't know, there's a giant Toyota Tundra in center field where if a red, if a Reds player hits that, a certain fan wins that car. And then this is the best part under it. Also, if anyone is down to also shit in the bed of the truck, meet me under the smokestacks in the top of the fourth inning. Cheers. I just can't wait for there to be a group of people under the smokestacks and red security come over and be like, so what's happening here? Just a bunch of guys, bunch of guys getting ready to shit in the bed of a truck. On a bigger scale, when these things happen, Manfred and they, like, they got to hate this. Like, 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 like nothing against some of those other organizations. And I'm not saying the reds, are the by the way, people. every single person that's going to show up to shit in that, Truck bed, I'm assuming also thinks that Baker Mayfield will be starting over Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. <laughs> or, or they think Tyrod Taylor is going to start over both of them. So, you know, at the opening scene of old school, 
when Todd Phillips knocks on the door and says, I'm here for the gangbang. Yeah. I feel like that's the Reds fans congregating. Like, uh, I'm here for the here bed for, truck shit. Yeah, I'm here for the gang shit. Joe, my new hobby, though. Like, you got to find humor in this. You have to. My new hobby, and I do feel bad for the person running Reds Twitter, but my new hobby, I get so much enjoyment every time they lose or every time they tweet just to seeing the responses because Cincinnati, it's not New York. It's not a big city. It's not like a negative. It's just people are nice in the Midwest. It's not pessimistic. It normally isn't. But now when I see the responses underneath the Reds Twitter, I laugh so hard because it's just getting ratioed every single post because they're so bad. And conversely, again, it is funny where you and I are on opposite ends, where the Reds are dealing with this. They have a minor league team. They're not going to get better anytime in the future. You have a team that's literally saying, we're going to light $40 million on fire to not deal with Robinson Cano. It's truly the best thing that's ever happened to me in my sports fandom. It, this is, in, in the history of my sports fandom, the Giants drafting Eli Manning and Steve Cohen buying the New York Mets are the only two. They're like, they're the only two things I, I could even discuss. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Ewing was uh, drafted before I was an, a Knicks fan. Um, he didn't go on to win a championship. Uh, you know, J- Jacob deGrom has been glorious to watch, but in the long-term effects of, uh, you know, my Mets fan, it'll, it'll, it'll hold no candle to what Steve Cohen's done. Really, Eli Manning getting drafted by the Giants and Steve Cohen buying the Mets are the two single greatest moments uh, that will determine happiness in my sports fandom. Steve Cohen bought the team. I mean, we were taught, we, ta- we talked about last year. I know a lot of people last year, Yankees fans, NL East foes, uh, were quick to say, oh, same old Mets. The dude had a year to dig into the fucking books, clear house, get a new manager, get new personnel, get new everything. And this is, this is truly year one of Steve Cohen. And he is doing everything right. Everything. They put a statue of Tom Seaver outside the fucking stadium. Keith Hernandez is getting his number retired. He goes out and spends $43 million on Max Scherzer a year. He goes out and signs fucking Marte and Canna. He signs Escobar. He, you know, he signs fucking bullpen guys. He signs players. He gets Buck Showalter, who has been glorious. And then we have a, a situation where the team has to be cut down from 28 players to 26 players. Every team has to make a cut of two players. There's a number of guys who were able to potentially be cut and a number of guys who are potentially able to be optioned. But what was so obvious for the Mets is Robinson Cano, who was acquired by the last GM, obviously, and the last ownership group, was is has been disastrous. And they Buck Show Walter, incredible manager thus far, gave him his opportunities, gave him a p- chance to show himself. He hit 195. He has one home run. He is not doing nearly enough to be in the lineup 
every day or really come off the bench. He was a prime candidate to be one of the two guys that's optioned and or released because he obviously doesn't have minor league options at this point. So everybody's going, well, it's not going to be him because no team in the history of sports is going to eat that money. Just eats $40 million after, I mean, we've been playing a month. At least every other team goes, we send down J.D. Davis. We send down, you know, we release Janikowski, who came in to fill in during an outfield COVID scare. And we give, we let, we let Robinson Gano sit on the bench for another month or another two months, give him his pinch hit at bats, see what he can do, just because what else are we going to do? Take $40 million and light it on fire? And Steve Cohen said, pay him his money and get him the fuck out of here. I tweeted it talking about the Joker. You know, I tweeted a, a gif from the Joker when the Joker literally lights all that money on fire in the dark night. He said, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. It is the perfect gif for this situation because Steve Cohen is literally saying, I am going to light $40 million on fire. It is not about the money. It is about sending a message. And the message that Steve Cohen is sending to every other baseball team, to his whole clubhouse, to every Mets fan, and to every sports owner alive is, I am going to win at all costs. I would rather literally light $40 million on fire with gasoline than I would play one more game, not at our, what, what I can make us is our most strong. That is baller shit, dude. He just lit on fire more like two thirds of you of the fucking reds payroll for the season. Yeah. Well, to quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Which is what coaches and players are going to always do, right? They, they, that's their job. Go out there and play. But owners, you know, you don't buy a baseball team or a basketball team or a football team just to win. Obviously, it's a money-making uh, you know, process. Steve Cohen is a Mets fan who wants to win. Steve Cohen is Steve Cohen is approaching being the owner of the Mets the exact same way Joe Prano would approach being the owner of the Mets if they were like, it's not your money. Like if Steve Cohen said, here's the deal, Joe, I'm going to keep doing my fucking financial career. You get to make all the decisions as me spend my money. However you want. I don't care if you make money. I don't care if you lose money, just do what's best for the team. He is doing exactly what I would do. I would be like, I would be, I would be even more bashful about it. I would be like, Steve, uh, do we want to let Robinson Cano have another week before we light forty million dollars on fire? I would. He was like, "Fuck him, pay him his money." Yeah, it is king shit, dude. Well, it you don't. You just don't see king it. shit. You just don't see it. Nobody's gonna it's, eat that money. It's fucking legendary. And here's the thing, Andy, and this is the, probably the most important thing of all of it. Your owner and his comments affects 
whether he likes it or not, the play on the field. Sure. And the Mets forget that Robinson Cano isn't going to steal at bats from more qualified people at this point and forget that, you know, uh, the, the baseball decisions are when, when he does this, it also tells his team that it is out there. The Jeff McNeil's, the Pete Alonzo's, the Jacob DeGrom's, the Max Scherzer's. I'm not fucking around boys. I'm here to win. I'm here to win. What do you guys need to win? I'm here to fucking. We're yeah. all here to win. Sure. No one's here to make money. No one's here to fucking. I'm not saying where else are they going to go? I'm saying they're going to come here because we're going to fucking win. It is king shit, dude. The only comparison where I've seen someone do this is Mark Cuban. Again, when he came in and we've referenced it recently, like when he came into Dallas, I'm here to win. I don't give a shit. About that other stuff. You, I don't know if you remember that photo of Cuban on the plane with the trophy after they won. Yeah. But you you saw in that how much he cared. It was all about winning. He's a billionaire. He doesn't care about all the other stuff. He wants to win. I will go work at Dairy Queen for a day because I think the refs are screwing over my team. Remember when he did that in the early yeah. 2000s? Yeah. It's, and, and you're right. And I couldn't agree more. It does matter what the ownership or any owners say because it affects the play on the field no different and, than surpri- and surprise surprise the Mets haven't lost the series yeah. surprise surprise the Mets have a fucking no hitter on Friday surprise surprise the Mets are kicking teams asses exactly and again conversely the Reds are one in 16 since number two in command said that it's like that for any company right if you worked for a company and you really you're like wow the owner or CEO or whoever, he really made some great comments or he really cares or she cares, whatever it is, you're going to actually perform better at your job. But when you know they don't care about you, why should I care about them? I I can cite multiple examples in my life where people I've worked for, when they didn't care about me, I didn't care about them. And when they did care about me, I worked better. I worked harder. It's it's pretty amazing. And talk about and, and, by, the, and, 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 and by the way, uh, you know, let me just say this also. Robinson Cano is awesome. Like there's, there's not, I don't have a bad thing to say about Robinson Cano other than he's fucking four, he's my age. Yeah. You know what I mean? I also should not be playing for the New York Mets. Sure. Like uh, he is a great player. He came in. He gave his best effort. Obviously, steroids. Uh, there was a steroid issue and the whatever. But a, a, a glorious career like I'll have to look at the numbers, but like a potential Hall of Famer, you know, if not undone by the the steroids thing, insane career with the Yankees, great career in Seattle, Uh, one of the best left-handed swings in baseball still. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Robinson Cano other than, unfortunately, Major League Baseball, uh, unlike football, is is a sport where if you don't perform, you normally just get to stick around. And... I'm, I'm excited for him. Take your $40 million, dude. Enjoy it. You earned it with a great career. And, uh, you know, you'll get a ring when we win one. Yeah. Well, we should hop over to NFL. The draft happened. Before we do that, I just want to add to what you had said earlier about my outfit. But you failed to mention how clean shaven I look. I haven't been using the razor blades lately. I've been letting it grow a little more. 
thanks to our friends at Harry's, I got that fresh look and it seems you also have cleaned up and kept the mustache with a nice clean shave around the mustache. Of course, as always, you can't, you can't rock this mustache, especially on stage doing shows and, and, you know, and be grizzly on the side. So keeping it tight with Harry's razors. And, you know, uh, my thing about Harry's razors is like the razors are great. Don't get me wrong. They're the best razors ever, but all the ancillary items. Oh yeah. And then I'll come the post shave bomb. Yes. The, the, the shave cream. And that all comes in the starter set. So Harry's is giving their best offer to all our listeners. That's you, Dirtballs. First time Harry's customers can redeem a starter set for just $3 at harrys.com forward slash dirty sports. That includes a five blade cartridge, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover to protect your blades on the go. A $13 value for just $3. I love Harry's because it's simple, but yet it's great. There's, there's no gimmicks with Harry's guys. I've been using them. Joe has been using them for the last seven, eight years. So really now is the time. If you have not already, just take advantage of this. It really is a great deal. And I can't reiterate that enough. The new look, same incredible offer. There's really never been a better time to give Harry's a try. Just go to harrys.com forward slash dirty sports today to get your starter set for just $3. That's harrys.com forward slash dirty sports. Lame draft this year, in my opinion. Because of the lack of quarterbacks and skilled players, et cetera? The first five were defense? That's never happened before. Yeah, lame as far as it's not a sexy draft. Yeah. But I think, you know, uh, while that is true on an overall basis, if you're a fan of a team... Um, and that's the kind of draft you have, like for my team, for example, and we're stockpiling, you know, edge rushers and offensive linemen and defensive linemen and safeties is like as much as obviously getting a, a, a franchise changing quarterback. I think a lot of these, besides that, I think a lot of these positions end up playing into greater team success than maybe a marquee wide receiver, a marquee running back, a marquee corner. Um, well, there's a call for you about that. Okay, great. Concerning the Giants draft. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Clay. You're South Carolina Dirtball. Uh, this question is really for Joe Prano. Um, I was watching the round one draft, um, and, you know, as the picks came through, I just, you know, couldn't think of a better first round for the Giants as far as getting Tudo and uh, the o, the O lineman. Uh, I just wanted to see your opinion on those picks. Uh, I'm a Steelers fan, but I think y'all had probably the best first round out of any team, any NFL team. Um, I think those guys can have immediate impacts on your team, especially you needed an O lineman. You need to get also needed probably somebody to get pressure on the quarterback because the defense wasn't too good. But I just wanted to know what you thought about it. Um, Condoms are for guys who talk shit about dirt balls, but won't leave their name. Uh, say dirty boys. Wow. Joey is just taking, just taking the shrapnel. Um, listen, I, I completely agree with the, the caller. And um, here's the thing is uh, there was a lot of talk. I remember Thibodeau. Uh, I remember watching him in a game. It might have been like a Thursday night college game or something like that. It just happened to have it on. And they were calling him 
sort of the uh, no doubt about it number one overall at the time. And he was wreaking havoc. I think it might have been a game against Cal. He was wreaking havoc in that game. And I was like, oh, man, this dude is fucking legit. And at the time, I was like, oh, dude, this gives this guy's kind of giving me low-key LT vibes the way he's wreaking havoc in this game off the edge. But they were talking about him like he was a sure thing, like top one, two draft pick. And so I never even thought that he was going to be there uh, when we picked. And then... Um, I had talked to, you know, some, some people involved in the process. Um, and I had said, you know, I see the talk, uh, for whatever reason, you know, uh, his attitude or his wanting to be a celebrity or the fact, or just the team above the giants needs that he was going to be falling into like the seven, eight range. And, uh, the person that I talked to said, there's absolutely no chance that he falls to seven or eight. And that was kind of upsetting because I was like, as a Giants fan, we have to go offensive line first. But the way it played out and the and why Giants fans should be so stoked is it played out to where they got to the fifth pick and the two top offensive line targets for the giants, the kid they got Neil from Alabama and the kid that went before him to from North Carolina state. Those were the two guys that I thought for sure were going to be the giants first pick. One of them, whichever one is available is going to be the giants first pick, but the way it played out. And the reason that I think giants fans should be so ecstatic is that we got to the point in the draft where neither of them had come off the board and we had two of the next three picks. Therefore, we could pick Thibodeau and then no matter who gets picked after it, get the other one. And so, yeah, I'm stoked. They got an insane talent um, for, for an edge rusher. And they got one of the two guys that I thought they would pick at five at seven. So, yeah, I really could not be happier with uh, the Giants first round and the question marks about uh, Thibodeau, um, you know, in terms of the media and all that stuff, he he had a great and, and listen, we can all talk. We can all like be our own PR guy, but he had a great interview um, after he got drafted where he said, you know, when you're asleep, I'm working. When you get up and working, I'm still working. It was just like this thing about like that he is going to be like devoted to just like nonstop working. And he also talked about um, in that same interview, they asked him about LT and he immediately deferred. And he was like, how about, how about big 92? How about Michael Strahan? And he talked about being a huge Michael Strahan fan, probably because he's a little young to be a Lawrence Taylor fan. And um, I've seen now in his, uh, interviews that he's done since that he has talked to Strahan and Strahan, who has obviously become a celebrity outside of playing football, told him football first, that's your job. Be a football player. Everything else, obviously, as it did for me, will work itself out. So I look forward to him following that, that model. And I really do. I think they absolutely killed it with those two picks.
it's nice to have a, a competent GM again. Let me ask you this unrelated, but related. Uh, I was watching the draft. I was at cutters and we were discussing this. There's a lot of people and obviously it's Vegas and it's different. Do you think some of these teams or the NFL fly some of these super fans out? The ones all dressed up or are they just that crazy? They don't I have just, to spend a dime. I just think they're that crazy. I think if you're, you know, in any given city, no matter where you are, but especially a Vegas and LA, a Chicago and New York, a Nashville, like I, I, it'll be interesting to see what it's like in Detroit, but like in any given city, there's 20 super fans of a team who are like, Hey, the draft is coming to our town. We should go. Right. Yeah. It's just crazy to see again, you're standing around, you're in face paint, you're in shoulder pads and you're just waiting for draft picks. Well, they showed a guy during the Giants draft pick who is, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he lives in Jersey, but he is a famous psychotic Giants fan called license plate guy. He wears a necklace of license plates, New York license plates that all have different shit on them. And uh, he was there. So like, I don't know what he does for money, but he is like a giant super fan. So like, uh, yeah, of course he's fucking there. Because that's not cheap. You're talking about flying from New Jersey to Vegas across the country, room and board, food. Like you're dropping thousands of dollars for the draft. I just think if I'm your financial advisor, I'd say that's a reckless decision. Don't do that. Yes, yeah. spend the thousands of dollars when they make the Super Bowl. Do that. I don't know. I have to wonder why was Randy Ruther not there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not too far from Phoenix. Yeah. I can picture him in like Bengals face paint. You know what? I have a feeling here. Here's here's the one excuse I'm going to make for Randy Ruther. Um, the Bengals made the Super Bowl. So they had a low draft pick. I yeah. feel like if the Bengals had had a top five pick, Randy would have been there with, you know, cat whiskers on. <laughs> Randy Ruther. Yeah. I also think our, at least with me, the it's getting, it just, it ramps up every time. I don't know where the Randy Ruther is going to be by the end of the 2022 season. Yeah. Which is funny because Randy, when he does it, mostly focuses on the A. He's like, Randy Ruther. <laughs> <laughs> but we go, Randy Ruther. I feel like Majid and Randy need to team up for an NFL draft. And then they can also review the movie, the draft. Is there another <laughs> draft day? Yeah, draft day. Yeah. Is there another draft movie? There's got to be a movie called something about drafts about a draft beer. Yeah, or like uh or like drafting and race cars or something like that. No, there's the there's the was it Kurt what's the fireman movie? The draft? Oh backdraft. Backdraft. <laughs> Michael Majid <laughs> should review backdraft and draft day. Backdraft is underrated too. Backdraft could could also be put in with like blown away. It was a fire movie in the nineties. Might have even been eighties. Man, too funny. Backdraft is a good movie. I've never seen it. What? Dude, I, I you know I'm starting to realize I just don't watch that much stuff. There's yeah, know. there's 
draft day. <laughs> if you put draft into IMDb, uh, a 2008 short, a 2012 movie looks like called draft in 2011 NFL draft an unknown collegiate lineman. looks like maybe it's a documentary, another short and then draft day, then backdraft and then the craft <laughs> and then Shrek forever hey, after hey, you learn something funny and then I undrafted. Like, this is going to be a classic Ruther response. I kind of like the craft, you know, a little underrated. The witch okay. movie. Yeah. A, li- a little underrated. That was the one with Nev Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was good. The Rev Nev Campbell and the and Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Or is that Happy Gilmore? I'm confusing all this. That movies. is that is both. I believe that is uh uh Waterboy's girlfriend. Waterboy's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, I've missed both of them. Dude, there's this store. I can't Happy figure- Gilmore's girlfriend is the wife from fucking Modern Family. Yeah, I can't figure this out. There's a store by where my girlfriend lives. A witchcraft store. And their hours, none of it makes sense. We finally went in there. They do like open two days a week. And there's a sign that says hours vary every week. And they're only open for a couple hours. And it's they sell witchcraft type stuff. And I'm fascinated. I went in there and it's everything you would imagine in the two partners that run it. It's this like. It's this guy one one old lady with a wart on her nose and then a younger, hotter witch. <laughs> but but what I don't understand is that the it's gotta be a front for something because the value of where this location is, it would not be cheap. Era God, I'm gonna butcher this name. Arafani, how's the hell is this pronounced? Arafani and Hedge? Arafani? I don't know. But here's here's the not going to work here anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> here's the here's the kicker. I was walking Roscoe the other day, and a bunch of them walked out late at night. And the guy goes, "I totally lost." But this wasn't the owners. It was like witch people. And the guy goes, I totally forgot where I was and I blacked out. And she goes, yeah, you were in the moment. I'm like, did they just walk out of a seance? I want to know what's going on. They own this, like this half of a giant building. My point is they're not making money to pay for this. There's no way they could own not only the building, but the whole space off being open four days a week, selling spells and witchcraft stuff. What is going on? I mean, I mean, what's, I I don't know the, uh, you know, I don't know the margins on like witchcraft stuff. So maybe they are, you know, maybe it's like a big ticket item. Maybe they just got to sell one cauldron a week. Oh, I'm on their website. <laughs> oh, wow. The owners are named Augur. His name is Augur, A-U-G-U-R. And she's named Coil, C-O-I-L. Coil is an actual movie star, artist, and enchanter. Ooh, Interesting. Auger is trained at the university that inspired Miss Misatonic and the Meta and the Medical College that employed Burke and Hare. I don't know what this is. dude. This is wild. Have you thought, Andy? I have the best idea of all time, and I and if you the don't Ruth do it, curse. the Ruth curse. No, forget. Well, yeah, that would be great too. But uh, you're dead to me if you don't do it. You should go and like 
go legitimately like I, I, I think you should film us. I think you should legitimately go and be like, here's the deal. I want to put a spell on the Cincinnati Reds to get them to like sell the, the Castellini family to get them to s- sell the Reds. Interesting. Spend the money. Put it on Reds Reddit. Maybe somebody will come shit in your cauldron and, you know, like be like, this is what I want to do. How do I do this? And let them take you through the process. They're going to be like, well, we're going to need snail's blood. That's for sure. Dude, this is wild. We're going to need the hair of a virgin. So this is their hours this week. This is what I'm saying. Starting yesterday, noon until four, which they say is the one-year shop anniversary. So there have been four hours yesterday. Closed today, closed tomorrow, closed Wednesday. I mean, who's doing witchcraft early in the week? Let's be honest. It's more of a weekend thing. Thursday, three to seven, Friday closed, Saturday, noon until four. So they're only open three days a week. They do offer consulting. We provide complete. I can't pronounce all these words. What these words? This is like a nightmare for me. I pronounce thematurgic and sibylline services for select clients. We can harden your corporate offices against remote viewing or ensure that your new home isn't constructed on a geomantic ley line. What the fuck? We can also make sure uh, that we bust you out. Should you ever become a prisoner of Azkaban? I don't know. It's not a bad idea. There's no way they let me film. Though I just can tell from being in there. You went into the store. I went in with my girlfriend because you guys were looking for witchcraft. Wow, well, I, I, dude, I'm fat. It's, it's literally right by where she lives. I'm fascinated. And they were all, they're always closed. And one day I was like, oh, they're actually open day. Let's pop in there. And, you know, you don't have to wear masks. Around, but they, 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 they don't fuck around. You have to wear masks the minute you walk in, which is whatever. But it, it's I'm not doing it justice. It's a big it's like three stories and they own all this and they get, they're open six hours a week selling witchcraft stuff. What's going on for real? I want to know Augur and Coyle. Her name's Coyle. She's a real life movie star. Oh, hold on. This gets better. Her sigils circumscribe abysmal creatures of feather and surgical steel. And she has hunted Malignant thought forms from the sewers of Berlin to the inland colonies of Innsmouth. What the hell is this? Don't you find this kind of wild? Yes. You completely stopped. Let's end the show. All right. I put Joe under a spell. Guys, if you know anything about witchcraft, call the hotline. 310-359-8365. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the dirty sports. You can hack me on Instagram at Andy Ruther. Also on Twitter at Andy Ruther. I'm on all social media at Joe Prano, except for Twitter where I'm at fix your life. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on cameo. If you want to shout out, follow me wherever I can be followed um, and come to a show. I have two shows tonight. Uh, doing frantic at the stand once again. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite shows to do. It's free. So if you're in the New York City area and you want to come out to frantic at the stand tonight at 10. Uh, after that, I will be returning to L.A. We've got a show at the Minimal Golf Club in Redondo on May 14th. Come check that out and keep your eye on JoePanero.com for 
other dates. All right. That's our show. Let's go, Mets. Crushes me when I hear a team winning. All right. That's our show. You guys have a great start to your week. And as always, stay dirty.